Well, we are entering into what is the most exciting season of life that we have at our church because it's global focus time at our church. And I want to give you kind of a heads up about a few things because I recognize that every year when we get to this season, there's a bunch of you who have not been and experienced what global focus is. And if you don't get it, you're going to kind of feel like family on the outside looking in, like there's a secret you don't know about. And so it's important for us to go over this for just a second and make sure that we're all on the same page. Starting this week over the next three weeks, we're going to be really focused on missions. And that's what we call global focus here. Global focus is not something that we came up with. It's something that was given to us. And there are many global focus churches all around the world. It's it's not unique to Judson Baptist. But everything that we do in missions is called Global Focus. Tonight, if you come back, you'll hear from a man named Dr. Elijah Soratow, who's one of our mission partners from Romania. He's going to speak to you at the end of this service, so you'll get to know him. And I I want you to come back tonight because you're going to hear a special message uh, from him that really sets the tone for us thinking about missions. And today we're starting to talk about missions. Every year we enter into this kind of three-week period that we call Global Focus, and it culminates with a week we call the Global Impact Celebration, GIC. Now, this year we're having what's called a mini GIC, meaning it only takes place on Saturday the 21st and Sunday the 22nd of September. And we want you to come and be part of that. Saturday night is engagement night with the partners. Sunday is a very, very special day. And you'll you'll hear more about that uh, next week of why we do what we do and how all that works. But in the off years, we do this, what we call a mini GIC. Only new partners are invited. So everybody that's coming in, it's four church planters, Los Angeles, California, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Knoxville, Tennessee, and Nashville, Tennessee, coming in to be with you to hear about what God is doing at Judson and how we can partner with them. So you want to make sure and meet these people. Then in the next year, we'll have a week-long global impact celebration where we bring all the partners in from all around the world so that you can hear updates and know what God's doing in their ministries. Now, we ask you to do several things. We ask you to give, we ask you to engage and go. If you come Saturday the 21st and you're here the 22nd, you can march, you can mark engagement off the list. You have engaged with the partners. Uh, you've already started giving by doing those cards that we did. You've, you've taken those gifts for the partners. Somebody said, why, why do we give gifts to our partners? Because that's what you do at Christmas when it's family. When they come, you give them a gift, right? You, you love on them. You let them know that they're part of the family. And, and you bring them into that, and it's our way of expressing our love to our partners. So that's the first way that we give, but there's a second way that we give. We're going to have a one-day offering, like we do every year, that goes to one of our partners that's really pouring fuel on the fire. Think about it like hitting the afterburners in the jet or if you're a Star Wars fan, taking the Millennium Falcon to hyperspace, right? I mean, that's, that's what we're doing right here. Now, here's how this has worked in the past. You've planted churches out of your one-day offering. You have translated the Bible for people to have it in their own language out of the one-day offering. You've recorded the Bible for people to be able to listen to it in their own language out of the one-day offering. This year, David Nelms of the Timothy Initiative is going to be here. You guys have helped plant along with the Timothy Initiative. We've been partnering with them for a number of years. We've planted now, we've crossed with them 50,000 churches. We've been part of that. I mentioned it a few weeks ago. This year, we're endeavoring to raise $70,000 in one day, Sunday the 22nd, because if we do, that means we plant 233 
churches. That's amazing. Think about it. 233. If we exceed that goal and go to $90,000 in a day, that's 300 churches that will be planted. But here is the good news. They are right now in a million dollar match. So if we give $70,000, they get $140,000 out of this match. That's going to be like planning. I can't even, y'all know me in math. 233 times two. Somebody want to help me? And y'all are slow this morning. What is it? Four, the doctor in the house, thank you. 466, right? This is huge for us. So everybody, I don't think, you know, I, I don't have that much to give or what. $5 becomes 10. This is amazing what God is doing. And we're gonna have an opportunity to do that. Then we give through our, to, through our faith promise offering to our missionaries throughout the year. You'll hear more about that next week. Then we ask you to go to be part of one of these mission efforts. So I want you to be thinking about that because our church really has mission as its DNA. You you may not realize this, but we were named for a Christian missionary, Judson, Adoniram Judson. And, And that's important to who we are. I get emails from people like I did just a few weeks ago. Somebody said, I understand that you guys have a great missions thing going on at Judson. Can you tell me how you did it? Well, I didn't do it. You guys did it. You latched onto this. We were a great mission church before I came here. We're a great mission church now. It's who we are. It's, it's our culture. It's our DNA. It's what we want to do. And so today we're going to set the framework for our mission efforts with a passage from the book of Habakkuk. Now, if you don't know where Habakkuk is, find an Awana leader or an Awana kid and ask them to help you find it because they know where it is. And if you're not sitting next to an Awana kid, look at the index of your Bibles. Uh, because you'll find it there. Or you can look on the screen here in just a second. It will be there. Habakkuk's a minor prophet, not because he's not important, but because he writes a very short book when he hears the vision from God. And Habakkuk was living in a time that was a little bit discouraging for him. He's watching the nation that he lives in abandon everything they know about God. The leaders are corrupt. They're walking away from the moral law of God. They're violent in everything that they do. And if you think about it, it sounds a little bit familiar to how we live in the nation that we're living, doesn't it? Violence seems to be everywhere. Corruption seems to be everywhere. Leaders seem to be walking away from the moral laws of God. And I think what bothered Habakkuk the most about all of this was his perception about God. He believed that God was not acting to vindicate his own name. And it bothered him. It really bothered him. He was crying out to God and wondering, why are you not moving? Why are you not doing something about the corruption here? And I bet you felt the same way, haven't you? Haven't you ever wondered, God, what are you doing? It it seems like this world's spinning out of control. It seems like evil is winning. And I use the word seems because that's very important for us to understand Because our perception of how things are is not always how they are because he still has the whole world in his hands. That hasn't changed. And he's not oblivious to what's going on. God knows what's happening. And God tells Habakkuk, I'm about to do something. You you just wait. I'm actually going to use a pagan nation and I'm going to rock your world because judgment is coming. Let's read from chapter two. And we're gonna read verse 12, 13, and 14. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and founds a town with violence. Is it not indeed from the Lord of hosts that people toil for fire and nations grow weary for nothing? With knowledge of the, uh, for the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. 
in the midst of all this corruption, corruption and violence, God begins to speak. And he gives Habakkuk this vision telling him that it's about to happen. And with these verses in mind, I want you to think about what God is saying. God is saying they may be trying to build towns with violence. They may be doing it with bloodshed. But I want you to know that I'm opposing them because they can't even get the things that they need. They grow weary for nothing. They're trying to get fire and they can't even get it. The basic things of life, I'm holding my hand in opposition to them. And I want you to know something, Habakkuk. In spite of everything that you see, this whole earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now that's a beautiful picture. One day the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge about the glory of the Lord. And we might say it like this, one day everyone will be knowledgeable about the greatness of our God. And it won't be like it is today where it seems like people ridicule us for worshiping God. They have conferences trying to decide if there is a God. They want to say and protest against that. And they want to throw off the restraint of God. We understand this, that one day people may not believe, but they will know that the glory of the Lord will fill up the earth because every part of the earth is going to know. In that day, there will be no unreached people groups. There will be no people who have never heard the name of Jesus. Everyone will know because the New Testament says it like this. In that day, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow because Jesus Christ is the Lord of all to the glory of God the Father. That's going to happen. And God gives us this picture to help us understand it. Habakkuk recorded it like this. The knowledge will be so widespread, it will be like the water covering the sea. That's a funny way of saying it, isn't it? The Bible says in Job chapter 38 and verse eight that God put limits where the sea would go. We think of the land and sea as being different things and we don't understand that the sea was given land to take over, right? That's how God did it. He established a border for the sea and allows it to go no further. And so when he says the waters cover the sea, he's saying the waters cover everywhere that I've allowed it to go, everywhere that I've permitted it to go. And we might say it like this. There's going to be a time when there will be no darkness because the knowledge of the Lord will cover the waters of the Atlantic Ocean. It'd be the same way of saying it like that. Earlier this week when I finished my Bible reading, I'd been in the book of Revelation and I got so excited with the anticipation of this day where the righteous king is going to rule forever and in that day, everything will be made new again. Nothing will be tarnished by sin any longer. In that day, the knowledge of the Holy One will light the way and we'll be so aware of his presence, we won't need the sun, the moon, and the stars to light the way for us anymore because the earth will be filled with the light of God. One of our core values here is mission. And we say it like this, God's love guides us to share Jesus at home and around the world. And when we rolled out that vision five years ago, or or for five years, it was a five-year vision we rolled out in 2018, I should say. What we said is it was going to be a gospel saturation vision. We believe that God wanted us to saturate every place that our feet touch. If it was Nashville, Tennessee, we wanted to have 50,000 gospel engagements. If it was going overseas and being in mission, we wanted that to be part of the 50,000 gospel engagements. We wanted people to share the love of Christ everywhere they went, engaging their neighbors, engaging their friends, sharing gospel tracts, using their testimony for the glory of God. And in doing so, we believe that we'll see the earth covered with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Now, this idea is expressed the idea of the knowledge of the Lord and how it's going to cover the earth 
is expressed in at least five places in the scripture. Habakkuk happens to be the last one, and it's prophetic. But there are three shades of meaning to this verse, and I want you to see them because if we understand these three shades of meaning, it will color and shape our understanding of what God is doing and why he's telling us it's important for the earth to be covered with the knowledge of the Lord. The way it's expressed is three different ways. Let me give them to you. It's the declaration of truth. It's a prayer of hope and a prophecy unfolding. It's a declaration of truth, a prayer of hope, and a prophecy unfolding. The first one that we see is that declaration of truth. It's in the book of Numbers, and you don't have to turn there, but it's Numbers 14, verse 20, and I want to read it for you today. So the Lord said, I have pardoned them according to your word, but indeed as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. God spoke these words to a man named Moses. Moses had been tasked with leading the children out of Egypt, the nation of Israel, the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he's going to form a nation that God is going to call his own people. He's going to bless them. And as they go, they get to a place where God has promised them they're going to be. He says, I have a land flowing with milk and honey for you, and I'm going to provide for you in that land. And this isn't part of the sermon. This is free this morning, but this is very important that you understand this. Sometimes we think the promises of God should just fall out of heaven and land in our lap. It's not how it works. They have to be fought for and claimed every day of your life. And that's exactly what God was making the children of Israel do. This land is yours, but you're going to have to go and fight for it. You're going to have to go and conquer it. And so what do they do? They get 12 spies and they send them out in this land to assess the situation. First of all, no faith. We're going to assess the situation. And when they come back, here's what they say. This is a great land. It's rich, it's bountiful, it's flowing with milk and honey. It's got everything that we need. There's just one problem. There's a group of people living on the land and they are formidable. They will be hostile to us. We don't think we can overtake them. And I want you to just see this because this is how how angry I think it makes God when we live without faith as Christians. When we find ourselves saying, I know that God says that. I know we should do that, but man, I just don't think God could do it. When we doubt the name of God and his promises in our life, God said to Moses, I'm done with these people. I'm getting rid of them and I'll start all over with you. Let's just get rid of these people. And Moses intercedes and it's right after he says, God, you can't kill all these people. We can't start over that God says, okay, I have pardoned these people according to your word. I've forgiven them. But indeed, as I live, all of the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. God was so angry that he said, I'm gonna do this in spite of them. In spite of these people, I'm going to do something. God was saying the entire earth is going to be filled with the knowledge and the glory of the Lord in spite of these unbelieving people. This means God is always doing something to reveal his knowledge to the world. He's at work all the time. And that's important for us to understand. This is a declaration of truth. This isn't some hopeful expectation. This is God saying all of the time I'm at work. We hear it in John 16, 8, when we learn that the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin. Right now, you think the world's spinning out of control. And Jesus says the world is being convicted of sin right now. The Holy Spirit is doing his job. He's accomplishing the work that the Father has given him to do. That's happening right now. We read in Romans chapter 1 that the whole earth is full of the knowledge of the Lord because they have this view of creation and God's given them this truth and they may try to suppress it, but God is doing his work. God is accomplishing his work. And you can't hide the truth because the truth always comes 
out. In Isaiah chapter six, we hear the angels declare this as well as they say what we used to sing this, this great hymn, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. They're telling us this morning, it is a fact. It's not something that we have to worry about. It's a fact happening right now. The knowledge of the Lord is going forth. This declaration of truth lets us see something that we need to grasp this morning. This lets us see something we have to hold on to. God is at work all of the time. He's promised his glory is going to be revealed in the world. And for us as believers, this means we claim this truth to be true in our lives, this promise to be true, and we join him in the work. It's not our work, it's his work. He's asked us to be co-laborers with him. What that means is that we don't have to worry and fret about the work, God's doing the work. It also means that we don't have to sit around and wring our hands when the world feels like it's spinning and falling apart. He's still got it going on. He's got it squared away. The Holy Spirit's working and we can trust that. And instead of sitting back like Chicken Little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. We can say with faith this morning, this whole earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That's going to happen. It's going to happen. And so I don't have to come up with some fascinating new idea for that to happen. I just have to join God in what he's already doing. I just have to show up and be ready for that. And if I understand that, it colors and shades the next part of this. This is this next dimension. It will change how you pray about things. I want you to see this in Psalm 72 and verse 18. It's offered as a prayer of hope. Now, we often think about the Psalms as being written by David. This one's actually written by his son, Solomon, wisest man who ever lived. And he wrote it as a prayer right as he started reigning over the nation. And, and his prayer is fascinating because some of the things that he prays for, he's asking God to help him reign in righteousness, to protect people who might be marginalized. That's very important. I want you to see that's very, very important. He's asking God to uh, help his reign include the expansion of his territory. He's also asking God for the prosperity of the nation to increase so that there will be food and it will be bountiful and the people will be provided for. He's asking God to do all of these things He's asking God to help the world recognize him as a great leader. And then he says this, God, I want this whole earth to be filled with your glory. Listen to this in verse 18. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone works wonders. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Solomon understood this declaration of truth and he turned it into a prayer of hope. As we enter our Global Impact Celebration over the next few weeks, we need to understand this short prayer and we need to start using it. Many times we find, I think, that we don't exactly know what to pray. Have you ever felt that way? You show up for your prayer time and it just feels like there's not a lot to say sometimes. I mean, you go through the things that you might normally go through. And I want to challenge you about something. Do not disengage at that point. Don't stop and step away. You say, I don't really know what to pray for this morning. You're in a great spot. That's 100% okay to not know what to pray for. Here's why. The scripture says the Holy Spirit is praying for you. So stop right where you're at and thank God that the Holy Spirit is praying and interceding on your behalf and just say, I'm comfortable with being uncomfortable and not knowing what to pray this morning. I'm going to trust you to pray for me, Holy Spirit, and I'll echo the things that I know to be true while I wait for you to pray for me. That's what Solomon was doing. He was taking a page right out of what Jesus tells us to do in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Declaring what to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I know that you're going to fill this whole earth with your glory. I pray that you would fill this whole earth with your glory and the knowledge of the Lord so that people's lives would be changed. And of all the things that I have prayed for this week, nothing comes as close to being as powerful as I believe this is. As we offer this prayer of hope, we're tapping into something that God has already promised. God has said it's going to happen. As we pray it, we're agreeing with God. This is exactly what we learned last year from Greg Pruitt, our speaker at our Global Impact Celebration. You remember the little book that he gave us, Extreme Prayer? If you didn't get a copy of that book, we have one in the library. It's really easy to read, small book. I challenge you to check it out and read it. He talked about that when we agree with God to do things that are on God's heart, heaven and earth starts to be moved. This is extreme prayer. Remember, he said it's going before the Lord and asking him to help us make his name known. It's asking God to move in such a way that people are saved and transformed by the glory of God. And when we think about what will take place over the next few weeks, we can offer this powerful prayer. God, may your name be known. May your glory be revealed on this earth as you have said it will be. May the nations know your name, Lord. May lost people know your name. May my friends know your name. May they be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. We can pray for God's love to be known in Los Angeles, California, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, Knoxville, Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, where we're planting these churches. But we can also pray that the glory of the Lord be found in Guinea, Africa, where you translated the Bible last year for the Toma people so that they can have the word of God in their own language and be able to read and listen and understand that there's a God in heaven who has called them by name. And wants to know them. We can pray this for Living Waters Ministry in South Sudan. That as they minister there, the Sudanese people will know the name of the Lord. We can pray it for India as Brother V trains pastors there this year. We can pray it for Honduras to be changed by Casa David as we partner with these people. That's what we're asking God to do. We're asking him to move so that his name would be known. But we can also pray to see this in the third way is prophecy unfolding. We can ask God to return because we're told to pray for his return, to expect his return. And that's what Habakkuk was recording here. It's the last prophecy that records it like this. But this was also recorded in Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah gives such a clear description of what's going to happen when the Lord returns. And I'm going to ask you to bear with me because I'm going to read a larger section of the scripture here. But I think it's very important that you hear every word of it. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse and a branch from his roots will bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord and he will not judge by what his eyes see nor make a decision by what his ears hear, but with righteousness, he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. Did you hear what Solomon, he prayed the same thing. Lord, let me reign in righteousness. Don't let the marginalized be taken advantage of. He will decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips. He will slay the wicked. Also righteousness will be the belt around his loins and faithfulness the belt around his waist. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the young goat. 
and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. A day is coming, ladies and gentlemen, when some amazing things are about to take place. The shoot springing forth is Jesus. He's coming again, but not like he came the first time. And that day he's going to reign in power and in perfectness. He will reign with power and wisdom and strength. He will judge with righteousness. The poor will be protected and won't be exploited exploited anymore. He will reign in fairness so corruption will cease to exist. The wicked will be no more. Danger will be a thing of the past. Animals once afraid of each other will lie down together. A child will be able to lead a calf and a lion on the same rope. And we won't even have to be afraid of snakes and more can I get an amen? amen why why because in that day the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the seas when the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord everything is made right again Justice reigns, sickness stops. No one's taken advantage of by those who are stronger because Jesus Christ is ruling in perfect peace. What a beautiful day that will be for us when we see it with our eyes, when this prophecy is fulfilled and we will know this. When that happens, we have impacted the world with our efforts because as this prophecy is about to be fulfilled, there are a couple of things that the church needs to understand. One, If you woke up this morning, the day of your departure is closer than it's ever been. The day of your departure is closer than it's ever been. You're one step closer to eternity by waking up this morning. That needs to be a realization for us that the time is short. The time that we have to be able to share the gospel, the time that we have to be able to make a difference and an impact is short because when he returns, it's over, it's too late. There is no second chance. There is no time to make it right. All of those who are bound in heaven are bound in heaven. And here's the truth. All those who are bound in hell are bound in hell. I didn't say it. Jesus did. He talked about hell all of the time. Why? Because it's a real place. And I don't say it to try to strike fear in anybody's hearts this morning. I don't say it to try to be a hellfire and brimstone kind of preacher. I say it because Jesus said it. He said it. There's a real place. So for us, our lives need to count for something more today than our careers or our hobbies or our families. I mean, all those things are fine. Our lives have to count for something more. Secondly, if we understand that because we woke up today, the day of our departure is getting closer, it also means that the day of the Lord is ever near. We're living in the generation that can say today, his returning is closer than it's ever been. It's close. It has to be. Why? Because he said he's coming back. So every day that we inch forward, we're moving towards eternity, and we're also moving towards the day where this prophecy will be fulfilled. So because of that, like Solomon, we pray for the whole earth to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, and we join God in his mission, doing the things that matter in eternity. We give, we engage, and we go. That's what we do. We give, we engage, And we go. And the reason this burden is so pressing for us is because heaven is real, but so is hell. And the window is closing. It's closing. 
Now, I want to say something to any of you in the room who might have some questions about this. This is really important. Our heart's desire as a church would be that if you're in this room this morning or you're watching by the live stream, that you leave here today knowing, not about Jesus, but knowing Jesus. And here's the thing, being known by him. And the scripture says the way for us to be known by Jesus is to confess him as our Lord and Savior, to receive the forgiveness of our sins. Because what Jesus has done is made a bridge for us to get to the Father. We were separated in our sins. But Jesus came and died on the cross. And I want to just challenge you today. If you have any questions about that, if you're wondering about it, do not leave here today wondering about it. Stop by and see me after the service. Stop by the Next Step Center and just tell them, say, I have some questions. That's why, we're, that's why we're here. That's why they are there. We want you to know the Lord Jesus Christ because we believe his return is imminent. And we want you to go with us. We're a family. We don't want anybody in the family left behind. We want you going with us. We want you to know that Jesus is the Savior. And that's why every chance we get, with every opportunity that we have, we're sharing Christ everywhere we go. Yesterday, I had a unique opportunity. I've never had this happen in the span of an hour. In one hour, I did a wedding and shared the gospel. I baptized somebody and shared the gospel. And then I went down to a dodgeball tournament right after doing all of that and shared the gospel. You know what? I was really proud of our students and our teenagers They showed up yesterday with a bunch of their friends. There were more than 50 kids here. They partnered with an adult life group to do a global focus for our city project. Why? So they could share the gospel, so they could saturate this city with the gospel. And as we shared the gospel, it was awesome seeing the students. They were locked in, locked in. And seeing as I was sharing the gospel in that wedding, people locked in. Why? It's the greatest story ever told. Every opportunity that we have, every chance that we get, we're sharing the gospel, leaving a track with our server, sharing it in a a testimony, writing a letter to someone, whatever we have to do, stopping a friend and just saying, have I told you what's happened in my life? This is what we do. This is who we are. And as we do that, we're living out the declaration of truth, praying that God would make it so, and looking forward to the promise of his return. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and I'm going to ask you to close your eyes this morning as we get ready to respond to this. I'm going to ask all of you who are believers this morning to declare in your hearts this truth. Lord, the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of your name. Would you just declare that to be true this morning? Pray it to the Lord. Thank him for it. Now, would you pray it and ask God to make it so in your life that every place your feet take you this week, you'd impact somebody with the gospel? Would you pray for someone you know who doesn't know Christ? Would you ask God 
to fill their lives with the knowledge and glory of his name. Would you pray for anyone right now who's in the room, who God's spirit is dealing with, or who's watching by live stream, that God would save them? And would you pray for his return? Lord, we do all of this to the glory of your name so that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of your name that lost will be found, the church will be encouraged, our partners will be blessed, and that as we enter into this time of giving and engaging and going, that the world will be different. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.